Hi, this is Nathan Dominitz of the Savannah Morning News in Savannah, Georgia, and you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. Hey, Monarch Nation, it's your boy Mike, and we're here to recap Georgia Southern and Old Dominion and preview Old Dominion's trip to Atlanta to play Georgia State. First off, the Georgia Southern game, homecoming. We had an awesome time at the tailgate, but Old Dominion just couldn't score enough and loses 28-23. How are we doing today, Aaron and Gary? Doing well, man. Doing well. Yeah, I feel like I've recovered some from yesterday. That was a, a tough one to lose, but, man, had a blast at the tailgate getting to see a, a lot of really awesome people coming by. I know we can kind of run through the, the whole group of them there, but definitely love seeing the Rice family and coming by and, and saying hello after, uh, you know, uh, after Nick uh, graduated last year. Absolutely. They're always great to talk with. Aaron, you want to tell the folks who we had the pleasure of meeting yesterday? Yeah, Mike, it, it was an awesome tailgate. Obviously, with all of our tailgates, one of our big things is if you don't have a tailgate or you don't have a place to kind of hang your hat in Monarch Nation, we open our arms up to people and have them come in. And we had some folks who are listeners of the podcast come by and say hey and hang out and have some food and have some drink, and that was awesome meeting them. Um, but I think the kind of the stars of the, the special guests that showed up we had newly inducted Hall of Famer Craig Wilkins and Chris Burnett come by the tailgate and hang out with us for probably about an hour. And we had some awesome conversations, just kind of you know reminiscing about different things and catching up, seeing what those fellows are doing these days in the professional world. It was a great time, and we appreciate them coming by. I think they had a lot of fun. We definitely did. I'd be remiss to leave out Painwell's mom, Lori. It was great meeting her and her boyfriend. Nice people. We didn't get to chat with them very long, but it was great to introduce ourselves and learn more about the Wolves. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know if we've gone through that much food ever at a tailgate. I mean, there's like seven and a half pounds of pork belly burn-ins were gone in like the first 45 minutes, 24 breakfast burritos. I don't know how many other pans of food that, People brought by. It wasn't, wasn't much food to take back today. I had to actually cook for myself and smoke some wings this afternoon. Normally I got a little bit coming back with me, but just a, just a good time. Really enjoyed the extra hour and a half in the tailgate lot, by the way, Odaf, if you're listening. I had a, had a blast a little bit longer tailgate. Yes. Please make that a regularity. It was easier. You didn't have to rush. We could enjoy the time we had. The setup was interesting because there was a tractor trailer in the blue lot that did not belong in the blue lot. And it was, <laughs> Boy, were, were the police fired up or what? Yeah. They're... 915. They had, I, I was there a little bit early. I'll, I'll admit, but the, the police laid like the Supreme police knock on, on that vehicle. And probably fortunately the guy wasn't in it because he probably would have pooped his pants, but I will give it to him. He maneuvered that thing, and I know we had to move a little bit of stuff, but he maneuvered that thing without actually killing any small children or tailgating tables. Poor Bo Cowan thought he was going to get run over by the uh, the tractor trailer we were coming through there. It was good to have him at the tailgate. 
we had to get him moved out of the way and along with most of our tailgate stuff at the end of that section because yeah trying to get a semi truck out of a tailgating lot that was fully set up was not easy and that guy got back to his vehicle i don't think he had a very good time all right so we talked about our awesome tailgate now we got to talk about this game i think this game was the story of two halves let's start with this first half obviously we were trying to establish the run early and it was working but we couldn't finish the drives in the first half. Blake had an amazing game. He had 11 carries in the first half, which amounts to most of his yardage. Um, what? How many yards did you end up with? There it is. Blake Watson, 16 carries for 110 yards. 11 of those were in the first half. Keyshawn Wicks had three carries in the first half, and DJ Mack had a carry in the first half, which got five yards, but... That's the story of the first half. We were trying to establish the run, but we could not finish in the red zone or in the scoring zone. We missed two field goals from chip shot range. That's a tough angle to kick at, so I understand that. But at that distance, you're kind of no-brainer kick it. You're you're expecting to hit it 100% of the time. I, w- I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this first half. Yeah, I mean, three red zone attempts in the first half and we come away with three points. That's that's really tough, especially in this league where you need to take advantage of the opportunities that you have. You know, the, the missed field goals are tough. You know, they're on the hash at close range. It's a weird angle. One kind of kind of got pulled a little bit into the upright and the other one just was close in and got pushed. I, I thought we had opportunities to score touchdowns on a couple of those drives. They would have really kind of changed the game for us, but the offense just kind of stalled out once it got inside the red zone. We ran the ball well. Blake Watson had some phenomenal runs in the first half. There was one, he, he came up the middle. It looked like he was totally surrounded. Uh, he breaks free, delivers a incredible stiff arm, and ends up busting it for, for about 40 yards down the field and really put us in a good position. We just couldn't get anything going after that. So the two missed field goals were, were important, but I, I do think that we had the opportunity to score touchdowns on that drive. You know, you look at the game as a whole, we attempted five field goals. We made three of them. I don't think that, you know, you're going to have a lot of success trying to attempt five field goals against a team that has the offensive firepower, Georgia Southern, or really anybody else in the league. So finished drives. That was the biggest takeaway is, is we're able to get in the red zone. We were able to do a lot of things, pass the ball around a lot, but we did not finish drives in the first half and it hurt us going in there with only three points. Yeah, I can't add much to that, fellas. Um, Georgia Southern ran the ball very effectively. From my perspective as a fan, an untrained, non-football coaching fan, we never just were able to adjust very well to that. And you guys will probably be able to talk about that in more technical terms. But they were able to just continue to do it and stay on the field. And then when we did have our opportunities, we just we weren't able to capitalize and really had no momentum going to the half i know ricky was fired up we could hear his interview going in at the half and uh you could see him try to fire up the guys coming out when they were on the field and to some extent i think that may have worked as we kind of move into talking about the second half so one thing that was clear to me georgia southern was trying to establish the run and they were trying to limit our possessions. I don't think they wanted to get into a shootout. 
However, the week leading into this, it looked like ODU was prepared on one thing and one thing only, and that was to stop Beantrice from throwing for almost 600 yards against us. Um, it's a shame to say it, but we were I don't think we were really that well prepared for a running game and a balanced attack from Georgia Southern. We talked a lot last week about how much Georgia Southern can throw the ball around, and they're really just kind of a, a almost an air raid style attack these days. But I have to give credit to Brian Ellis, the offensive coordinator at Georgia Southern. I think he knew that we were going to be prepping for that pass all year, and then he sees our defense come on the field for the first play. And instead of kind of our normal 4-2-5, we were in more of a dime package with six defensive backs. And any time that Georgia Southern saw us on the field with six defensive backs, they ran the ball, they went hurry up so we couldn't sub, and they absolutely gashed us up the middle. You've got three defensive linemen that are up against five offensive linemen. Sometimes it's tight end in that formation as well. They're able to get four, five, six, seven yards to carry and really gut us from a, a running standpoint. And it threw us off a little bit. You know, we were able to adjust on some of our drives and made some great stops, but Georgia Southern typically found themselves in like a third and three, a third and four, and we couldn't just depend on, all right, this is going to be a passing down. This is going to be a running down. We couldn't load the box against the run. They kind of caught us off guard and ambushed us a little bit with what we were running from a defensive standpoint. But, you know, just have to give them credit for attacking our weakness. I mean, it, you spend all week prepping for the pass, and then all of a sudden you just get get gassed up. I mean, Van Trees really didn't do much. I mean, he was very efficient, 22 for 27 in the game, but only 192 yards and a touchdown. You would have told me last week that Van Trees would only have 192 yards passing. I figured did we win by four touchdowns or five. But unfortunately, they were able to run the ball very effectively in chunk plays against us a lot of the game. Speaking of things, if you had told me we would do and we'd lose, we outgained them. They had two fumbles. We didn't. Penalties were we, – we only had five penalties in the game. They had three, but – not a lot of penalties in this game at all. If you told me those three things, I would assume we won the game. Obviously, we didn't. But we lose by five points, missed two chip shot field goals. Should have been probably touchdowns. It is what it is, I guess. Yeah, and I thought our return game was really good as well. Isaiah Page had a great punt return. Lamarian James had a great kickoff return. And then Georgia Southern just decided we're not going to mess with those guys anymore. They were punting towards the corners and out of bounds. And on kickoff, they were just pooching it to about the 30 to one of the up men who was calling a fair catch. They just decided that Lamarian James is not going to be the reason that we lose this football game, which gave us good field position to start out with both in the, on the punting side and on the kick return side. But, you know, Lamarian James' presence has been felt and no one wants to kick to him anymore. Oh, Ed, they were terrific on third down. They were 8 of 15 on third down. You can't win games giving up more than 50% third down conversions. Yeah, they really got into a lot of those short third and shorts where you know, they could pass it or they could run it, and it was difficult to defend. Then on the other side of the ball for Old Dominion, we were 3 for 12 on third down. We were 1 for 3 on fourth down. Third downs offensively continued to plug us. Yeah, they were good on third down, and we weren't that effective it did feel like there was uh, some not so great spots occasionally on some of those um, generous spots on their end. And one or two where we had, where they were a little, 
little suspect. A little bit short, just a little bit too short. Speaking of referees, was that a touchdown? Was he bobbling it still? Yeah, so he bobbled it. It was tough to tell from any of the broadcast feeds if he was able to secure it and get a back foot down. I was able to get some info today that upon some further review of different footage, he did not secure the ball before he stepped before Ali Jennings stepped out of the back of the end zone. Obviously, we're talking about the second half, kind of a great pass, just kind of bobbled by Ali, and then he goes out of bounds. It would have been six. We had to settle for three on that. But the referees now from the Sun Belt, you basically have to provide your coaches' footage cam into the replay review. So you've got your broadcast cameras, you have your coaches' cameras from both teams that get fed into the re- replay review system. So what you see on TV, what you see in-house, is about a third of the actual video that the referees are reviewing. And based on that other film, it was pretty clear that Ali was out of the back of the end zone. Sorry to jump ahead on you there. I just thought it was relevant to Aaron's discussion on the refs and their spotting of the ball. And now I, I will say at the start of the second quarter, we had a fourth and 10 that we went for. Hayden found Isaiah Spencer. And I mean, we're talking inches away from a first down. You know, I'm not saying it was necessarily a bad spot, but if you're not right on the money with that, uh, it's not going to be a first down. If he would have gotten that ball out to the 25, it's a first. But I mean, seriously, on the on the the second watch of that, it was two, three inches short, and I don't think he could have challenged that and gotten a couple more inches. But I mean, that that was a big play, I think, in the game, especially in the first half, to have a turnover on downs there in Georgia Southern Territory. We'd have been about the 25 or so. But yeah, it was a it was a tight spot. I thought he got a little more yardage than he did, though. All right, so at halftime, we had a score of fourteen to three. Second half, Old Dominion decides we're going to win this game through the air, and that's what we attempted to do. We had, I think we counted it was five carries in the second half total. So we were all Hayden Wolf all second half, and it it worked. We we ended up scoring 20 points. Not enough. We needed 26, but 20 points in the second half, you can't really – there's not too much you can complain about with that. Yeah, I mean, coming out of halftime, we have basically a scripted drive. We know what we're going to call. We know what we want to get involved with, the formations. We went fast, and we were able to catch them a little bit off guard. I mean, that, that first drive, you get a nine-yard pass to Harvey, 15 to Spencer. I uh, had an incomplete, and then you go deep to Ali for 25, another one for, for 22 and the touchdown. Really just kind of the drive that we've seen a lot from ODU this year when they want to go fast and score a touchdown quickly. They're, they, they seem to find a way to do it. We saw it with UVA. We saw it with East Carolina. We saw it at the end of the Virginia Tech game. Uh, and it kind of goes back to how do you find that balance between a, a nice sustained drive that maybe we saw against Liberty and, and certainly saw a lot, you know, in, in the last game against Coastal. But that was kind of like, all right, we're going to shock them. We're going to get back in this game. And, and that really did. It, it set things off in a nice way for us. It was a quick, explosive drive. We said, all right, we're back. We've got some momentum. It's 14 to 10. We're in this game. Let's go. But then Georgia Southern, like we did last week against Coastal, anytime that Coastal showed any sign of life, we came right back and we punched them in the mouth. And Georgia Southern comes out and has a nine-play, 75-yard drive, just under four minutes, 
and score the touchdown to go 21-10. So that momentum that we grasp right there, they kind of say, hold up, this is going to be a game. Yeah, and, and what's really tough is, you know, Georgia Southern answers back with the touchdown, then our next offensive drive, we, we go three and out. You know, I thought on that play we, we took a deep shot on first down, which I like taking the deep shot. It just, just wasn't there with coverage. Uh, you know, go second down, we, we get a run, we get four yards, and it was an incomplete pass. Hayden was under a lot of pressure. But, you know, credit Ethan Dwayne, he bombs a 51-yard punt down the field. And, and Georgia Southern ends up with their back against the wall. And then eventually, you know, they've got a punt again. So, you know, it, it would have been nice to, to answer back again with the score, but the punting game did well and the defense stood up and got a stop to keep us in it. Yeah. And then uh, our next two possessions, we get field goals to make it a one score game. That was when it was 21 16. And then they finally respond with the game winning touchdown. 13-play, 77-yard drive, five minutes. Took a lot of clock off, but that, that was that was the story right there on that drive. Yeah, and, and on those two field goals, I mean, we're, we're talking inches away from touchdowns on those. One of them, Ali had two shots on some fade routes in the corner, kind of up there, Mike and I's section. Just one was a touch overthrown. The other one just had good coverage. And then the other field goal attempt we had was obviously the, the bobble in the back of the end zone. So it's, it's frustrating in the sense that a lot of points were right there at our fingertips, sometimes literally at our fingertips. So it's, it's tough, but got to find way to, to finish those drives because we had those opportunities to not even need to put the field goal team on the field. Absolutely. All right. So they go up 28-16, and we respond with a very nice 12-play, 73-yard drive to make it 28-23. I think the two pivotal plays on this drive, the first one being Hayden, where he steps up in the pocket, sees a little, a little bit of room that he really doesn't have any receivers open. He has a nice 11-yard scramble to get a first down, starts off the drive real positively. And then towards the end of the drive, he has a 20-yard pass to Javon Harvey that gets us in that good position. There was also a, a fourth and two play where he finds Ollie Jennings for eight yards. If he doesn't get that, game's over. Um, yeah, and I believe that there was a defensive hold on that play as well, and Ali fought through it and ended up making the catch. And Hayden, I, I thought on that drive, looked just really confident. Like he, he wasn't trying to overanalyze anything. He was using his feet to extend plays, stepping up, up in the pocket, had that nice 11-yard run. But really throughout the night, I thought that he did a good job moving his feet in the pocket and moving around the protection. What I thought was, was – pretty strong from our offensive line again. I think they've they've really found their groove, and they look good in the, in the running attack as well. Hayden probably wishes he was a little bit more efficient, going 23 for 40, but he had 313 and a touchdown. He only took one sack, which I think is a, a big step forward for him, but it, it just kind of didn't have that that second look, that kind of second safety blanket. I feel like this was the first game we've really missed Zach Kuntz to where – You've kind of got to stare down Ali. He's your playmaker. He's the one you got to get the ball to in those clutch situations late in the game. But it would really be nice to have that secondary safety blanket of Zach Kuntz underneath. And I feel like we're still kind of looking for that replacement for Zach in terms of the receiving game. Yeah, I'd hate to, I'd hate to go back to the first half, but those two, well, the two red zone drives that ended up with zero points, 
that is a perfect situation for a big, tall guy with athleticism like Zach Kuntz. We saw it a lot in the second half, too, but those two drives to me. Aaron, what you got? No, I was just going to say it's a great point, but we don't know when Zach's going to be back. He could be back next week, or he could not be back. You just never know. So we've got to figure out who that person is going to be or who those people are going to be in those situations. Because as you said, that's a prime opportunity for a receiver like that. So who who's going to have the opportunity to step up? I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, and Isaiah Spencer has kind of shown some flashes of that. He had three catches for 33 today or yesterday. But, you know, really having that second fade threat in the end zone where you can run one receiver to one side and, and Ali to the other and kind of really confuse the defense, we're, we're definitely missing that. And him across the middle. He allows you to stretch Jennings on the outside and cut across the middle because the safeties have to go cover one of them. We don't have that right now, but Javon Harvey had another good game yesterday. He turned in five catches. He had one on that touchdown drive for 20 yards. Overall, five catches for 71 yards. He's he's the number two receiver this year. I mean, he's he's shown it the past few weeks. Yeah, he's he stepped up well. You know, one of the the kind of missed touchdowns that we have. There was a pass in the back of the end zone. Payton extended the play by moving in the pocket. Hit Isaiah Page in the back of the end zone. He kind of bumped into Bly as he made the catch. And then, you know, credit to the, the Georgia Southern defender for absolutely blowing him up once he made the catch and the ball came out. And we you know, had to attempt a field goal. And unfortunately, that was the one that we missed down on the, the north end zone there. But got to find some, some more options here. I, I thought Keyshawn Wicks had a, a pretty good game from a passing perspective. He had a big 21-yard catch. He is a bruising runner when he gets the ball. So I would love to see him get more touches both in the running game, but also kind of become that safety valve option on a third down back because uh, he is very difficult to bring down. I'd be remiss to say, and unless I know my hearing is bad, so I may have missed this. But on that last defensive stand, and of course Georgia Southern comes up, they do get a first down. They do burn some clock. But when push comes to shove at the end, our defense comes up really big and stops them on fourth down. We get the ball back with about 30 seconds left, and it doesn't work out. But I just want to take my hats off to the defense for, you know, being gamers right there and giving us the opportunity to potentially pull that game out. Absolutely. And you mentioned the one sack earlier, Gary. It came at the most inopportune time of the game, that last final drive, our, our, our last – chance to win this game Hayden gets sacked on first down puts us into a tough position burns some clock yeah just timing on that was not great yeah and it, it was tough and I got to give credit to Georgia Southern they had a great stunt up front that left somebody unblocked and kind of came back in there on Hayden no one was open down the field either so there wasn't like a quick option to to throw it away but you know zero quit on either side of the ball I mean you saw those guys on defense. They were on the field a lot. You know, Jason Henderson was slow to get up several times. Cherry Jones, I know he's nursing a lot of injuries and, and is just powering through it. You know, you're going to have to get him off the field with a SWAT team, I think, is the only way you're going to get him out of there. But zero quit. They kept fighting until there was literally just no time left on the clock. It, it's a tough one, but it's good to see teams not just throw in the towel and those kind of you know 30 seconds left, got to get a touchdown. You know, zero quit, kept fighting, and, and you know, 
it's just one of those tough games where you just miss a couple opportunities to win it. All right. Georgia Southern moves to five and three. Old Dominion moves to three and four, two and one in the Sun Belt. On to Georgia State. So we're going down to Atlanta for their homecoming. Hopefully, we can see another revenge type like we did against Coastal when they hosted us for their homecoming. What do you know about these guys, Gary? Yeah, they've got a lot of talent, a lot of young talent. I don't know if they've quite figured out how to use it all properly, but you know, they're they're two and five. They're one and two in the Sun Belt. They've played a tough schedule, similar to the way we've played a tough schedule. It opened the season at South Carolina. I thought they played pretty well until they had some issues in the punting game, ended up losing that. Dropped one to North Carolina. And then kind of the head scratcher, I think, is you know, well, one point lost to, to Charlotte, who just fired Will Healy t- today. So Club Lit is unfortunately now closed for the season. Lost to Coastal, but they've got wins over Army. Win over Georgia Southern, uh, who, who we just lost to. And then last Wednesday, they, they took a beating from App State. They were in that game against App State. They scored the first 14 points of the game, but only managed three the rest of the way and ended up losing 42 to 17. Heavy, heavy run attack. Similar to what you saw from from Georgia Southern, they've got two running backs that are are pretty strong with uh, Tucker Gregg, who's got 565 yards and seven touchdowns. Jameis Williams uh, got 426 yards and two touchdowns. Then uh, quarterback Darren Granger, dual threat quarterback for sure. Not super efficiently completing 53.5% of his passes, but he's got almost 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. Then on the ground, he's got 477 yards and three touchdowns. So similar to some of the other quarterbacks we've seen this year that are are true dual threats, but they could not pass the football against Appalachian State. Granted, App State couldn't throw the ball either, but definitely expect a pretty ground-heavy attack there. Now, Mike, because I know you're always interested, wide receiver height. All right, so their top three wide receivers, Jamari Thrash, Robert Lewis, and Mr. Creedle, because I don't want to mess his name up. All right, all under six feet, with the exception of Creedle, is 18 catches, he's 6'4". So your top two options there are under six foot tall. So I think we've got pretty good matchups for our corners. And we saw this weekend, obviously, we Fantrice was very efficient with those short passing routes. But Georgia State isn't that. They're not going to be, I don't know, they're not the same offense we saw this week. Tobias is going to have a chance to make plays this week. Georgia State at the beginning of the year, preseason, a lot of people were picking them as their kind of one of their their picks to win the league. They had a really good season last year, and people were expecting them to turn the corner and become the new one of the new tops of the conference. Obviously, with them playing two P5s in the first two weeks, they got beat up and ended up on the wrong side of the draw there. And it's – I don't think they've recovered yet. Yeah, they, they had a tough start to the season, and that does kind of beat you up and wear you down. I mean, you see that a lot with App State and a really t- difficult schedule that they had to start the season. Defensively for Georgia State, they don't get a lot of sacks. They only have seven total sacks on the year. Uh, but they are some ball hawkers, man. They've got 10 interceptions so far through this season. They've recovered six fumbles. I think they are much more of the drop back and cover rather than try to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. The good thing for us is Hayden doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He is pretty careful with the ball, doesn't take a lot of big risk into a lot of traffic. But you know that they are going to double Ollie Jennings, and they're going to do everything they can to take him away from the passing game. 
So we're, we're going to have to do some things. We're going to have to establish the run, and we're going to have to keep establishing the run. You know, one thing that killed us against Georgia Southern is we wanted to run the football, but we got down by two scores, and we really had to go to the passing game to be a little bit quicker in, in scoring and getting back into that. And it kind of got us away from the bread and butter that we like to do of, of running the football. Uh, so we need to establish the run. We need to have a quick start, take advantage of those first half opportunities in the red zone, and then be able to control the flow of the game in the second half. App State was able to do that pretty well against Georgia State, and we're going to need to replicate that when we go down to Atlanta on Saturday. I'll add, uh, they are, he is not Kyle Ventrese again. He's been sacked 15 times. So let's go. Our defense has a chance to add to those sack numbers, get back to the mean after this week of missing a little bit. I'm ready to see them get after this quarterback. He's going to be trying to run, but we've seen it the past two times we played mobile, or I guess this is the last three times we played mobile quarterbacks Arkansas State, Liberty, Coastal. The, the, def- the teams haven't had that much luck running against us. So let's get to the quarterback and make his day long and painful. Yeah, there's going to be some pinup frustration on the defensive line from what happened to him on, on Saturday. Uh, and, you know, Georgia Southern, they don't give up sacks just kind of by design. Like they ran the football a lot, and it's a lot of first read, quick hitters. So I'm, I'm hoping that pinup frustration just carries over into Saturday and we're able to control that line of scrimmage and put the quarterback down a couple times. Yeah, if we have a chance to go bowling this year, we have to win this game. And looking at the rest of the schedule, Marshall is not playing that great, but they just beat JMU on the road. And then we we get Georgia JMU at home again after the week after that. And then we go on the road to App and South Alabama. None of these games are gimmies, so we need to get wins when we can get them. And this is one we should win. Yeah, I mean, if, if we want to go at least six and six or seven or five this year, we need to win this game at Georgia State. We need to win a road game in the conference, and we need to come home and beat Marshall. Uh, you know, JMU's quarterback didn't play on Saturday, and it had a huge impact on the way that they want to run their offense. They really couldn't move the ball whatsoever with Santeo in street clothes on the sideline. We don't know how long he's out or what, what's going on there. I think it surprised a lot of people that he wasn't starting. But really, these next three games for ODU – are really, really important for how our season pans out because I don't think you can bank on going to App State and coming out of there with a win and going to South Alabama and coming out of there with a win. Their defense is really solid down there in Mobile. So really, these these next three games are important. The, the first time I came on this podcast, we talked about like what's the litmus test? Where do you Where do you really look at our team and see where we are? And I said it was after the Georgia Southern game. I think the biggest takeaway so far this season is that we're consistently inconsistent on the offensive side of the ball. There are some times where it looks like there's not a team on this planet that can stop us, and there are other times where we just can't get out of our own way, can't finish drives. So it's, I'm glad we're in the position we're in, where you know we've got the opportunities in front of us. Even with the loss in the Sun Belt East, we still fully control our destiny to, to make the, the Sun Belt championship game. Uh, it's going to be a tough road, and you have to take it one game at a time like we've been doing, but it has to start with a win at Georgia State on Saturday. Very much so. Got to get this win, like you said, control our destiny. We got two guys that continue to lead the nation here, and I think that they're going to be very important parts of the game next week. So Jason Henderson, as you guys mentioned earlier, had 21 tackles, and he is, what, uh, 24 tackles, 
24 tackles to the up of the next leading tackler in the nation, which is just insane to me. And then Ali is the number one guy in only seven games with 905 yards and eight receiving touchdowns. The next leading guy has eight games and 840. So as we know, they're very important to us. We've got to have some other guys step up next week as well, but those guys are definitely leaders on both sides of the ball. So Vegas opened the line at three and a half in Georgia State's favor. It will be road dogs. The total opened at 56. It has since moved to 56 and a half. 30 points for Georgia State, 26 and a point nine for ODU is the model. So clearly this looks like a 50-50 game. If you think about three points for the home team, that's a half point spread right now. Obviously that's going to move a little bit. We don't know where it's going to end up. But right now that that's showing you this is a 50-50 game that either team can win. I like our chances just because Georgia State, has, since they did get beat up so much, they have been they haven't been the same team that we expected this season. Yeah, I think like just like any other Sunbelt game, they can't take anything for granted. I mean, they look like they were in a world of hurt, and then they welcomed Georgia Southern in and, and beat them at home. I, I jokingly said if you take the top six teams in the Sunbelt East and just put their names in a hat and drew one out, they could possibly be the winner of the Sunbelt East, and then they could immediately lose to Georgia State. So it's still just like a total toss-up in, in the East, but – we are in a position where everything's in front of us. Like we can go win these games and win the Sun Belt East. But yeah, it's we've got to have a nice balance attack. We've got to play well on defense. And we have to have a fast start against Georgia State. Like I think if we get up early on them by two touchdowns, that that might kind of be curtains because we'll be able to run the football and play strong defense. I, I just don't want to see us having to make comebacks in the second half like we've seen in the last couple of games. Aside from Coastal, where we just absolutely beat the brakes off the beach chickens. I will add that this is a get-right for, game for Old Dominion. And in our get-right games this year, we are 2-1. The UVA game, we lost, but we won the Arkansas State game. After the loss to UVA, we won the Coastal Carolina game after the loss to Liberty. Now we've lost to Georgia Southern. Let's keep this trend and get right in Atlanta and get this W. Well, when is the last time that we lost against Georgia State in Atlanta? It's it's never happened. We've played there once or twice. Once. I think it was just once because I yeah. remember going to that game and it was in the Georgia Dome. And it was the weirdest football game I've been to because you're in this massive stadium with a dome and there's like 250 people in the entire stands and 200 of them were ODU fans and parents. That's not the one where they did the money drop, is it? I don't think so. I didn't come out of there with any cash. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Well, I'll I'll be down there on Saturday cheering them on in person. And there's going to be a pretty good contingent with the Atlanta alumni chapter down there as well. So if you're going to the game down in Atlanta, take a look on the Alumni Association website. There is a tailgate and a ticket package there for the Atlanta chapter of the ODU alumni group. Absolutely. So we are actually 3-0 and against Georgia State. Two of the games were in Atlanta. First game we played them was in Norfolk. 2010, we won 34-20. Second game in Atlanta, 
our first game in Atlanta, second game overall in the series. We won 40 to 17. Third game in Atlanta, second game in Atlanta, but third game overall, we went 53 to 27. So we liked playing in the Georgia Dome. This is a very different program than it was when we played them back then. That is very true. But I'm going to ask you a couple questions because you guys are way smarter than me. How many times have we played Georgia Southern and how many times have we won? We've now played Georgia Southern three times and we are 0 3. How many times have we played Coastal Carolina and how many times have we won? Two times, two wins. How many times have we played Georgia State and how many times have we won? 3 0. The trend will continue. The beatings will continue until morale improves. Damn straight. Yeah, this is a very different program. They've they've made it to more bowl games than we have. So a lot has changed since then. But this week <laughs> a lot will remain the same. They've been good in those bowl games too. I think they're three and one in their bowl games. They won the Cure Bowl, the Lending Tree Bowl, the Chameleon Bowl. You know, they kind of limped into those like eight and five, six and four, seven and five, but I mean, yeah, they're definitely a different program moving up to to FBS. They're 32 and 35 since they made that jump. So, yeah, looking looking pretty pretty solid there. Their coach, Sean Elliott, was actually the interim head coach at South Carolina when Spurrier. I think Spurrier actually quit. I don't think he actually got canned. I can't remember how that all went down. But he spent a lot of his his career with either App State or South Carolina. So he's got a lot of really good experience. It'll it'll be a battle. I mean, it's. Surprise, surprise, we got a Sun Belt game, and it's going to be a tough one. So yeah, Spurrier had some two times you had to make. And Clowney had a shoulder. All right, fellas. So there you have it. I don't know if there's much more we can talk about with this game other than it's pretty much a win or we need to win this game. I don't want to say it's a must win, but it's pretty close to one. If we win, we continue to control our own destiny, and we're one win closer to being bowl eligible. Um, so I, I'm not a must win. I don't say there's a must win unless your season is going to end because you lose, but it, it would make it a hell of a lot easier the rest of the way if we were able to get one in Atlanta Saturday. Well, much of this team is used to playing with their backs against the wall. They did last year. They did very effectively. In their minds, they're probably thinking this is a must win. And if they play the same way that they did in the back half of last season and they respond the way they've responded every game this year following one in which we did not come out victorious, then I think that we're going to have a real nice game to watch on Saturday. And for the division aspect of it, Coastal is now leading the division at 3-1. and one. But we know if we have the same record at the end of the season as Coastal, we win the division. So let's get right. Let's get this dub. Let's go 1-0. and oh. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.